What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest has a passion for design. He's an industry thought leader. He has extensive global experience in designing mixed-use developments. He is the Senior Vice President of Design for Equinox Brands at Equinox. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Richter. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Good to be here. How do all those accolades feel coming out at you? I like I'm tired of it. I mean, you feel tired. <laughs> well, well, that's a good that's a great place to start. Um, tired because mm-hmm. I I would say tired. You've had a, a long journey and career. And I I remember meeting you way back at um star in the Starwood days with that really awesome crew yeah. that did this diaspora of amazingness all over the industry. So um it's been a it's been a long journey to get where you are now. And then another thing on the tired part, which I think we'll talk a lot about with respect to wellness and Equinox. So much of what you guys are doing at Equinox, and I want to hear it from your own words, is all about like restoring and regenerating. And I feel like that's missed in so many aspects of kind of what we do. So why don't we just start there to kind of contextualize how do you restore? How is Equinox restoring? Yeah, sure. And I appreciate that. Um, You know, I think early on, we wanted to figure out what, what we wanted to offer or what our positioning or point of view wanted to be about. Uh, a hotel. And, you know, we, we do movement. Well, we've done movement well for years and we're known for movement and we're known for fitness and and that sort of thing. But really at the end of the day, the, what we're selling is a longer REM cycle. Really that's, that's what it comes down to. And if you can provide someone a better night's sleep, and and all of the accoutrement that go with that, whether it's the, 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 how do you get to sleep or how you wake up, uh, a, a longer REM cycle is a better recovery. I, and, and so how do you do that? Right. So, and then that's a, that's a knowable science, right? Sleep science is knowable science, right? There's been a lot of good uh, research into sleep and, and, and a lot of things that you can execute from a, from an architectural and interior design standpoint. And from a programming standpoint, how do you, how do you lean into that? And that's where we began. I love that. And it, it's kind of like, peeling an onion back to how do you get it? So also going into the long journey and bringing you back to Starwood, yeah. I've spoken mm-hmm. to many people and it's it's a little, look, there's only so many things that you can really do with a hotel, right? So much of it comes down to like, okay, this is where I'm going to sleep. But I've heard people say that, you know, and it, it's kind of sad in a way that one of the most innovative things that has happened in our industry um, in a really long time was the development of the heavenly bed. <laughs> and that was at Starwood, right? And that's right. like, oh my God, that's like yeah. a no-brainer. Like that's what you're sleeping on. So yeah, how how are you guys peeling back the onion and taking it to the next level and being so much more innovative for giving people the gift of deep REM sleep? Well, that that's where it started for me, is where um it was Barry, of course. It was it was talking about what's important to the traveler. And at the time, you wouldn't no one spent money on beds. Like they were uh, an OSNE item that was often like a very, very, oh, we got to have one, right? And Barry's like, no, you have to have the best one. 
And that's what people want. When the lights go off and you're in the bed, that's really where it started. And I was like, okay, that, that stuck with me. And then I had done a project in the Park Lane Hotel in London with a young designer named Patrick Juan, who was a, a, a guy who, he was a, a designed for Vespa and he was a Philippe Stark protege and he's this young, amazing oh, wow. French talent. This guy, him and his partner Sanji, they run a firm out there who I still love. And uh, I hired them to do this concept, model room concept in, in London. And a big part of it was this sort of central command technology that really was didn't exist at the time it was like this sort of like you put your key card in it would have the room temperature and the menu and and it would control the room dynamics and we developed it but but a critical aspect of that development was a guy called uh uh Zekin. and it was a he was a french scientist who we brought in on the team and he had this alarm clock that he had developed that would um wake you up over an hour-long process Ah, it would like slowly brighten. It was that what it would slowly brighten. It would slowly change the if no for him, it was like it was alarm clocks. So it was a thing you could buy, you plug it in, and it would slowly brighten and change the color temperature and slowly introduce sound into the morning wake-up routine. It was a plug-and-play product. And we said, Oh my goodness, let's how do we cook this into the wall? And mm. so we worked with him to not only develop that piece and how it ties into the room me mechanics but then he, i'm like well, what else do you want it to do and he's like well if i could have my druthers i would have it change the temperature i would have it you know do these other things that go to show you that i'm getting a longer rem cycle so we built it into a model room this was you know i don't know 1990 i don't know nine i don't know way back 2000 i don't know early and uh, and we built them all a room and the whole thing ended up being too expensive to get done and it didn't happen for a variety of reasons, but it was, but we built it and it worked and I've been sort of, it, it's in the back, been the back of my mind for a while that the room could be tuned, tuned really to your, your, your body rhythms to, uh, to allow you to, to have a better night's sleep. Uh, so I, I've been trying to solve it ever since. And where are you in that process now, as far as what? The, the product, totally the, the sleeping product. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally solved. solved. Totally done. Solved. We did it. Check. Done. It's done. Uh, we did about, I would say, out of the, the larger machinations of what's important for sleep science, I thought probably we did about half of what we wanted to do in the room. And even half is heroic, right? To get that done was, you got to convince a lot of people who build hotels that you're, you're spending money in places you don't typically spend money on. And so, uh, I, I say it's by half done. The thinking around what can be done is definitely still percolating. And what and we we piloted a bunch of stuff that we just simply couldn't afford. A lot of that has to do with circadian lighting and uh, uh, and uh, uh, quantum harmonics and other things that we kind of toyed with that we we still like to do. You know, getting a more intelligent room and then also getting into the psychology of of, of dream analysis is something a, a further sort of plateau that we'd like to get into. So. A, we're, we're about, I don't know, we're probably about a third of the way where we'd want to be in terms of, of what we can do. Um, and so, yeah, no, we're, we're still cracking at it. And it's, it must be an interesting and almost difficult proposition to sell to uh, investors or other stakeholders in the property, oh. bec because oftentimes it's not like you're sleeping. How do you really know? How do you measure that it's mm -hmm. effective? I'm actually very curious about that. Yeah, there's ways to digitally measure sleep 
cycles. There's wearables and there's mattress, smart mattresses out there. We don't provide any metrics on the sleep, although we, we probably could and should in the future. Um, but, but, but it would, would it be more like guest feedback? Like, oh my God, I had the totally. best night's sleep. Are you getting oh, feedback like that? hundred percent. We get that feedback daily. Yeah, no, it's, it, that's, and you got to understand there's a lot in the room around sleep. So, so you know, if you don't get a, if you get a bad night's sleep there, I, I haven't heard that from a, a single guest, right? It's the most acoustically isolated product in the industry on purpose, right? It's, it's the most, uh, it's, it's, it's removal of all the uh, acoustical and light pollution. It's the right the materials. It's the methodology of sleep. It's the rituals that we develop to go to sleep, to wake up. It's the, it's all of it. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, the feedback has been fantastic. And the, and what's interesting is yes, it's hard to answer your question. Yes. It's harder to convince a developer to do any of this hundred percent. Uh, the good news is the developer was also our money. And so, you know, that we, you know, like early days of W and it was, you know, uh, it was easy to spend your own money. Uh, here we had to convince our own internal group that that was the right thing to do. Now it's super easy because what happens now is we get developers globally showing up and very quickly saying, I get it, right? It's mm. it's really hard to argue when it's abstract and it's just a spreadsheet and it's like, oh, well, no, this is important. When they come here and they stay here and if they spend the night here, they're like, how quickly can we develop one of these? Like it, 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 we turn them very quickly. Especially probably for their own bedroom at their own home. 100%. And so what's interesting for low hanging fruit for us is that I would say, you know, nine out of the 10 developers are working with are saying, well, you're going to also brand our residential product because uh, this all makes sense. Everything you're doing here makes perfect sense for residential product. Oh my goodness. So then you could have a sleep sanctuary by Equinox in your home. 100%. 100%. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's actually happening? It's happening. Well, we're doing our own residences. Oh. So that's happening. But we talked about during pandemic, we talked about doing an off-the-shelf product that would would you could put into an Airbnb, right? And so I talked to Airbnb, talked to Mari and a bunch of Airbnb folks, and they were getting they didn't get their heads around it. But I was like, all right, well, imagine you had a Airbnb that was walking distance from a club, right? Mm -hmm. and you're that owner of that house. And you're like, okay, well, I'm gonna make my house a Equinox infused house. And that means it's gonna have sleep chambers and it's gonna have the right food stocked in the fridge. And while you you're staying with me, you also can walk to the Equinox or ride your bike to the Equinox and you're a member during that time. Oh. And you start to think about real estate strategy in a whole different way. And so instead yeah. of like, and so in, in markets where you can't develop a, a 212 room tower, like in Berkeley, right? You buy a bunch of neighboring properties mm. and you Airbnb them, right? And you, you make them associated with the, with the, with the club. I, I, you know, my inspiration for that is Hasidic Jews. The guys who have more, well, you know, if, you, if you're Hasidic, you're, you want to, you need to live walking distance from temple. Yes. Right. And so communities are built around the walkability to temple on certain days. And so you totally. think about how, how a, a, a community works and how a community has to be kind of together. And you're like, okay, well that can, you can apply that to anything. And the Hasidic community as well has like figured out ways to expand that territory, but I forget what the wires are called that they yeah. put around to make yes. their, their communities even bigger. That's right. That's right. Oh, I love that. I got to figure out. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll find out what that thing is. I read a yeah. great article on that. Um, so that's super awesome. I didn't even think about that. Now, 
from the Airbnb perspective, they like we're not doing individual- it. We're not we're not doing it right. They they, they all laughed at me, right? Which is- no, I know they 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 might not want to do it, but someone's got to do it. But if you can get someone, like I've met a guy um, in London, he owns a bunch of Airbnbs that he puts out. I don't know, he's got twenty or forty or fifty or something like that. But if they're all, they're probably all within a an area, so it could be some kind of cool capital expenditure that he might consider doing for his properties that he common, has. Common, a common interest. Yeah, right? you need to lean into and and exaggerate the common interest, right? There, there's a reason everyone's. You know, if you just build a hotel and people go to it, okay, they're there because I'm in Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? And that's one way to go about it. But like, if 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 it's more purpose built or if it's built around a, a common activity in that area, then you can service those things in a different way, and you can you can celebrate different parts of them, right? As a, as a as a, as a you know a community. Mm. And when I think of Equinox and just the community or, or tribe that you guys have built from movement or working out and just that whole feel and experience applying it to hotels it just seems like such a slam dunk and and again going back to the title of this podcast of defining hospitality there's a way that people feel from the time that they're anywhere near because i still get buzzers like you're near an equinox i'm like oh (laughs) we do that i'm sorry (laughs) yeah but and then i you know you go in and then how you feel when you're in there and then just the whole experience so when you think about just all the different people who are going into restore or going into spend energy, like how do you define hospitality for for those different tribes of people that are coming into your into your sanctuaries? Yeah, I think well, first you have to know who your tribe is, right? You got to understand who who they are and what their hopes and dreams are, and then it's really a it's a consideration of what they're going through, and it's kind of a celebration of their rituals and their routines, and and people, you know, are, are waking up again to the fact that, oh, I should take care of myself. My health is important. My immunity is important. My, you know, this is all very, you know, topical and germane at the moment, right? People are saying, I, I want to live a different way, right? Me being shit face of the pool at a lounger is not the pinnacle of existence anymore. And that used to be how you would organize a hotel. You would start with, I need to get 120 loungers in the pool for people to get shit faced at, and I'm going to sell them drinks. And that's going to be my ROI is going to be all F and B and fuck the room and, you know, whatever with anything else. And that, that's it. You're coming here to get mm-hmm. drunk, right? You're coming here to get drunk. That's it. And so like, I'm like, that's not a, that's not it anymore. That's not how people want to be anymore. They want to travel with their families. They want to travel and feel healthier after they travel than less healthier. They're trying to mm-hmm. make their lives and their experiences better and more fulfilling. And, and, and if, if, if we recognize that, we recognize that most of the product out there, the sort of same, same product out there is based on an ROI that was done back in the fucking 50s or 60s or God even knows when. And that's how, that's how money's on top of money, just funneling it down the same ROI chain. So then, so once you, okay, so you you guys at Equinox and Related have clearly defined your tribe, your market, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. You know who they are. You got your people. So then how do you, how do you help? I, I guess it's like, okay, so you know the people, you know the market, like you said. And then it's like, how do you, how do you define what hospitality is to that group? Well, I mean, in, in a weird way, we don't 
we don't define it for them in a in a way we are, we are enabling a- them right mm-hmm. we there's a there's a way to be healthy there's a way to live a healthy lifestyle and it's it, it's it's often it's it's habits it's routine it's 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 a method of attacking the day it's i'm going to carve out 2 hours here i do a thing in the morning i do a thing at night it's 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 part of my it's part of my routine and and those routines are near impossible on the road right if you if anyone who's listening and you're a traveler i'm a traveler if you want to try to say fit on the road the the world the road hates you the road hates you yeah. it hates you and it doesn't want anything to do with it. And it, it doesn't want to hear about it. You're in the, you, oh, you want to work out? You go to the fucking basement with the 400 square feet in the basement. And it's it's carpeted and there's a creepy guy down there. There's no natural light. And, and it's not important. What you're doing isn't important, right? You're eating healthy isn't important, right? You're going to the fridge and get a Snickers, like whatever, you know, whatever. You know, your sleep's not important. There's a couple next to you having a fight in the next room and you can hear them. Yeah, you're, it's not important. What's important yeah. you came here and you drank right? Mm-hmm. That's the industry. And that's wrong. And, and mm. it might have been right, you know, 20 years ago, when that's what the, you know, the pinnacle of life was, but that's not it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think everything needs to sort of rethink itself in terms of, of putting themselves in the, in, the, in the shoes of all of this sort of new wave of people. And it's not age, it's, it's not at all age. It's, uh, it's just a sensibility of, of people wanting to live a more fulfilling life. Mm. I totally agree. And, and I have, to, I agree being on the road is not healthy, but I got to say that in the pandemic and having my wings clipped, all of that movement to and from the plane and yeah. running to this and that, like, I miss all that movement. And that, yeah. and now, now we're all getting back and our wings are re-sprouting and but, I'm just but, feeling more active. Right. No, I will know. I think people want to get their adult on hard. I think people want to like, oh my God, it's going to be, I think I had another talk where I'm like, it's going to be a flesh orgy. It's just going to be people going ape shit, like going and in a wonderful way. Like, yeah. I, I was like, it's going to be this bacchanal of just yeah, right? orgy and like, right. yeah, it's. But togetherness is, is mm. a, uh, not an unimportant thing. Being with other people is part of being a human being. I think it's uh, being social is being important is important for your well-being for yeah. sure. And so if you're if you're traveling and you're going to a hotel and you're like, okay, well, I'm at this hotel. Like what do I do now? Okay, I go down to the restaurant and I have and I and I have dinner and I get I get drunk again or whatever and I and uh and then I go to my room. You're not really part of that community. Like if I go to the hotel in Seattle, I stay at the hotel in Seattle and I'm in the hotel and I leave the hotel. I didn't experience the community at all. I've just, I, mm-hmm. I, there might've been like some local Seattle artists slapped on the wall and they're like, oh, it's, it's indigenous, right? Whatever. And so, but, but what's the, the unlock for us, and I think it's, it's gonna, it should be an unlock on for everybody on a variety of levels is when I travel, I want to dovetail into that community, like really yeah. dovetail into that community. And, and what that means is that I need to be doing what those people in the community are doing for us, that's fitness and wellness, right? So, mm-hmm. Uh, it, when you land in Hudson Yards and you came from Berlin and you go downstairs and you work out in the club and we get about 60% of our hotel guests that use the club wow. and you get down and you use the club and it is on fire and the people are going hard and people are fit and they look great and they're motivated and, and it's all the locals who define that environment. It's a real, it's a community of people. They're, they go there every Monday, they see each other, you go to a group fitness class, there's camaraderie. 
and you're you dovetail into the community in, in a did way that don't get did to your it. office move from flat iron over to hudson yards already yeah and in 2019, we opened in August 2019, we opened the corporate office, the health club, the hotel, and the co-working in the same month, which was crazy. And you and you moved there at the same time. We did, yeah. We moved the, the corporate oh, wow. office at the same time. So because I remember being in Flatiron, my office was right there. And I remember bumping into you at the gym at weird hours and just sure. oh hey, what's up? How's that working out? So are you going down to that pumping? Gym in the yeah when, 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 when I'm healthy yeah for sure we, we're employees we're encouraged we encourage our employees to go down right so we we have uh, we have built in on the corporate floors we built in uh, private lockers for every employee so if you bring your shit to the office you can just dump it in a locker you don't have to throw it at your desk and, and it's your locker so you can be your shoes there all the time uh, so wow. we're we're absolutely encouraging people to to do that we also encourage people to bring their own food we've got full kitchens on every floor. Uh, cooking kitchens. We've got uh, pantries on every floor, hydration stations. We, we, we lean into how to make a healthy office wow. uh, here, here, here at corporate. And uh, we're real proud of what we did. That's awesome. Um, actually, as you're saying that, I just read this article today, this guy, Josiah McKenzie, who I just met at a SCIF conference for the first time. He wrote this really cool article. I'll send it to you after. And I totally agree with it. I've been saying it. I've been speaking around this in a lot of different ways. But I think he really hit the nail on the head. And his the title is Why Hospitality is the Best Place to Work, Invest, and Innovate Now and in the Years Ahead. So I would just like to take your temperature on that one. Do you agree strongly? Like, how are you feeling as far as hospitality being the best place to work, invest, and innovate over now and in the years ahead? Strongly agree. However, what is hospitality anymore, right? So everything's hospitality these days. Everyone's racing towards this same space, mm-hmm. right? Whether I mean, there's this, I, there's like a Citibank at Union Square. You know this thing? It's awful. It's I don't know who designed it, but it's like it's got like it's it's everything. It's like it's, oh, it's a cafe and it's a lounge oh, yeah. and it's a, it's a it's totally. an arcade. It's a fucking it's it's every it's anything it needs to be. And it, yeah. that's just a bunch of panics executives going. We need to be this new thing. And this new thing is this other space, right? Where you are welcomed and you can lounge and you can work and you can eat and you can chill and you might take a nap. And like, it's this, and and you're seeing offices kind of turn into this space and you see offices being like, oh, we need to look at hospitality. And you see, it used to be that hospitality looked at retail, right? Hospitality Mm -hmm. used to suck. And they used to be like, oh, retail is doing all the innovative stuff. And that's how Barry got me. He got me out of Nike because I was doing retail stuff. And, and then, and then, and now, and now everyone's catching up. Everyone's, you know, every, every uh, place is starting to look like Soho house, right? Yeah. Right. Everything, everything's a lounge. Everything, everything's got like the low cocktail tables, low coffee tables that my back hurts at working at, but that's just me getting older and not being, not doing a yoga class at Equinox before. True. I'll send you some links. Well, it's interesting. So I just spoke to uh, Dina Lamana. I don't know if you know her. She's at HOK. And no. she said that she's getting pulled into, yes, right? as the hospitality person, into every other silo to see right. everything through the right. hospitality lens. And as you're talking about, the, I forgot you were at Nike. Yeah, so retail, it's totally true because Barry also pulled Teresa and Ave and a whole right. bunch of other people <laughs> and Hillary and That's all right. from Pottery Barn. Pottery Barn. That's right. And to W. So when I when I interviewed, I tell the story. I don't know if I probably told you this story. I, when I interviewed with, uh, I got a call from a headhunter who was calling for Starwood, and and she and I was well, I wasn't working. It was 
after 9-11, my mom passed. I just, I, I went to Japan for a while. I was like, I don't want to work. And so I didn't work for like eight months. And I got a call from a headhunter and she's like, hey, you want to do hotels? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never done a hotel. I don't know. I'm a retail guy. And she goes, that's exactly what they're looking for. Someone with zero experience. <laughs> so I was like, great. <laughs> so I went, I went to interview with Barry and he said the same thing. He's like, I don't want you to have any knowledge of the industry. Wow. And that, that's a detriment. I don't want you to have done a hotel before. He goes, I like Nike Town. That's what I want to do. I want to do stuff that's like Nike Town, which is experiential, that's immersive, that's that's thought-provoking, that that bends things and breaks things. He goes, that's what I want to do. So I was like, yeah, great. And then what's funny, when I left, when I left hospitality in a weird way, I'm still kind of in hospitality, I guess. When I left when I left Schrager's office to go to uh, Equinox, Harvey's like, I like, look, Harvey, I got zero fitness experience. I'm like, yeah, like zero. And he's like, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> right. right so twice well, twice is my my ignorance has propelled my career it reminds me i love that because there's a book i read years ago it's called rookie smarts and mm -hmm. it's like how someone who is new to the business either just out of college or an intern or someone from a different sensibility with no experience that they look at things through with fresh eyes and no yeah. no yeah. prejudice and um it's interesting how you've done that so like if you go back to like mentors of yours, oh, yeah, yeah. who do you, who do you, who, who do you think was like the, the biggest uh, mentor or course corrector um, in your career path and journey? I've been super, I mean, like, I got to say, I've been super fortunate, uh, you know, I, all the way early on, it was John Hoke. I, John Hoke is a, I think he runs all creative at Nike now. He's a, he's a genius. And he was, he was the only youngest guys at, at Nike, uh, uh, and he was an architect, but he, you know, he was also, he was dyslexic. So he, he didn't write a lot. He just drew, everything he was drawing. He just draw everything all the time. And he was the guy, I would be working all nighters at Nike. And uh, he, he would come by my desk, and, you know, as an architect, you just do all nighters. That's what you do. It is how you get ahead. And it's dumb, but that's what you do. And uh, so I did an all nighter and I'm at my desk. And I'm looking like I did an all nighter. And he comes by, he's like, and I'm working through lunch. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm just, you know, working on this thing and I'm trying to do something cool and I'm trying to get ahead. And he goes, oh, he goes, well, that's not how you get ahead. He goes, you want to get ahead? You go join the softball team. Go run, go run at lunch with the guys, go play basketball, go to the gym, go breathe the brand. Wow. And that's how you, that's how you get ahead. I'll learn, live the brand. And so wow. I did, I, I, I joined a run club. I started working out the, the, the gym and I, and, and that I, is in Oregon. In Oregon, Beaverton, yeah. And I joined the so softball team thinking oh, wow. like softball, how hard could it be, right? I'm on the softball team and the the, the guys in the softball team are all ex-Seattle Mariners. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they took softball really seriously. And I was like, way out of my element. So I was like, oh, I'll just watch. I'll just watch. And on the running, on the running side, were you like channeling your inner prefontaine? Yeah, I was, a, I was a shitty runner. I, I've always been a shitty runner it, up until Nike. And, uh, I, you know, I played soccer. I ran a little in, in, uh, in college and high school. I wasn't really, I never good at it. Mm. And Nike joined the run to kind of a little impromptu club. They taught me everything I need to know about Nike. And they, they got me to that point of reaching that first runner's high, which is very elusive for a lot of people. Mm. And if, if the first two weeks of running suck, no matter where, whatever they suck. You just got to get through them. And once you hit like week two, three, you get a moment where you have, and if you do it well, you get that moment of runner's high, which you chase uh, and you can recreate and it's magical. And once you get there, you, you like, okay, I can learn technique now and I can learn all these other things. 
but yeah, that was Nike. That was Nike uh, leading the way there. Uh, um, after Hogue, it was uh, it was Sternlich. I mean, Sternlich uh, can't say enough about that guy. I mean, he's uh, you know he was he was kicking down doors early. Early on, he recognized that the industry needed something unique and different. And uh, you know, he's passionate for designers and architects, and passionate about industry and what's disrupting. And I mean, to have that guy just be like, "What do you want to do?" You know, um, you know, be able to be like, hey, you know, this is this firm, Yabu Pusherberg, what do you think? And he's like, they're great, you know, whatever. They did one hotel in Montreal, but they were, you know, they were young. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, awesome. Let's find people who've never done hotels. Let's find architects and designers who are just outside the industry. Let's just, let's, let's shake some shit up. And he was really supportive and really uh, appreciative of, of, of me coming at things from a, from a different angle. And uh, I can't say enough about that, that mentor. I, I, he called me, he's called me a handful of times, uh, the older I've gotten just for just, you know, shoot the shit and get some you know, off, off the cuff advice. And uh, I have a lot of admiration for that guy. Wow. After, uh, he's I, amazing. I mean, oh, just, yeah, I mean, I, incredible, incredible mm-hmm. human being. And a, after Barry, I mean, I, I still, you know, as, as difficult as Ian is, I still got a, a props to Ian for what, what he, what he, who he surrounds him with, who he, what he's willing to do. The ability, the ability to work at like just the, the upper upper echelon of everything all the time this his his command of of, of what's cool and what works and what doesn't work and and uh, he it's just late he's just an incredible visionary and you know with 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 Ian you get you at the time you would get Anda and Michael and Anda and Michael his lieutenants were I mean I can't those are two some of the finest human beings on the planet Anda Andre. I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about her. I've, I've talked about her a lot and, um, she was my, she was my mentor for, for a hot second and uh, just an incredible human being. Um, and then of course, Harvey, I would say, so Harvey Spivak, you know, just a, a visionary early on in the industry, uh, on our, uh, from a wellness perspective, you gotta understand like 14 years ago, you know, you gotta, you gotta remember fitness was garbage. It was an yeah. industry that was forgotten. It was an industry that was like, it was 24 hour fitness and like sport, like, like primary colors and sports clubs. And like, it was, it was just miserable. And so Harvey recognized early on that there was an opportunity to do something to make this a luxury thing. And he saw it early and I, you know, I gotta, I gotta give it up to him for, for, you know, providing all of the, the runway to do it. Do you know what's amazing as you're talking about those four men? I, I think it's four. Hoke. I, I mean, it's, it's Stern, like, there's there's hundreds, quite frankly. Okay, those so are there's my, more those are my favorites. But like, if you look at those, let's just say those four, and and the and the lieutenants and the whole support structure around it, building and des- designing and furnishing hotels is a transaction, right? And in in the end of the day, it is. It's a real. It's a commodity within real estate. But of those four, from a retail perspective and the hospitality perspective they put so much weight in design mm-hmm. and 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 i think that uh on the fringes so they're kind of leading the way the pathfinders then on the fringes you have folks who are just like okay well does this pencil out right okay let's do this but i really feel like it's those kind of prime movers if you will that are really shifting and innovating our industry I would I would agree with that, and, and and I would say there's a I think there's a stock index out there that follows companies that uh, put value on design, and they show you how it over indexes over just a regular old company. Um, oh really? Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a design focused one out there somewhere. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Look, I th- I think it, I you know uh, you know Nike the designers were gods. 
I mean, they were gods. Like it, it, on the campus, if you were a footwear designer at Nike, I mean, people would be like, oh my, you were like a rock star. It was amazing. You were given like the, like the you get the like the prime parking spot. You'd have a whole floor. People treated you with such reverence. I mean, because there's only a handful of people that can do that well. And I, early on, I got spoiled and that recognizing that design was important. Design should have a place at the table. Design really touches all disciplines, right? You mm. can't, it can't, you can't just silo out in design and like go in a corner and design something. It has to be in concert with all the other disciplines that have to interact with your design, that have to build your design, that have to like live with your design ten years from now. Like, you can't do it in a bubble, right? And and I, I think that makes you as as if you if you as a company, if you recognize that design is important, it has to be at the forefront and it has to liaison with everything else. I, I totally agree. And, and I'm also glad that there are those trailblazers and obviously like the Johnny Ives and the Steve Jobs. Sure, the yeah. I almost did a hotel with Ives. I almost did a no hotel. Way. With yeah, dude. All right. So I was at Traeger's office and I'm like, he's like, who do you want to work with? And I'm like, Johnny fucking Ives. And, he, and he's like, who? And I'm like, the guy who does the Apple stuff. And he's like, all right, yeah, call him. So we call Ives and I get Ives on the phone and I'm like sweating and I'm like, oh, sir, you know, whatever. <laughs> he wasn't sir at the time, but I'm like, I'm sure I was calling him sir. And uh, I'm like, we're, I'm with Schrager. We want to do, I want to do a hotel with you. And he's like, fuck yeah. And he, and he was into it. And so for like a week and a half, we were like brainstorming about hotels. I'm like, oh, dude, I, I mean, cloud nine, like, you know, thinking about the technology infrastructure, thinking about what Apple could bring to the table, all the interfaces. Oh my God, like a little tear in my eye. And so a week and a half go by and he calls me up and he's like, uh, yeah, Steve's not going to let me do it. <laughs> ah. Well, so now I, he's not there anymore. Maybe and now he's not there. Well, I could probably do it now. I, I'm sure, I'm, like, I'm sure if I, if he, I doubt he remembered me, but I'd call him back up. I'm sure he'd be into it. Him and, uh, and Rot Lovegrove would, would do something in a minute. They'd be God, great. I, to just, um, to just like be able to peek at what's going on between his ears, right? Yeah. <laughs> incredible. Just incredible. Uh, it's amazing. Okay. So talking about all these mentors and amazing mentors that you've had, um, as you look at like your position, where you are at Equinox and related, how are you in a way honoring all of that and paying it forward with your team? I mean, there's not much of my team left. Sadly, uh, we, we, we burned through quite a few people during, we furloughed for a long time during pandemic, mm -hmm. as long as we could. Uh, we tried to try to keep people in healthcare, but you know, I had a 25 person team on the club side. I'm down to four. Right. Whoa. Yeah. Brutal. I mean, we have, you know, 106 leases we had to renegotiate. So, uh, you know, it's, it was a tough go for, for industry, any industry and hospitality in general, but the club side, you know, any industry that relied on people coming physically to a space <laughs> that was mm -hmm. hard. Uh, and so it, we had a rough couple, we had a rough year and a half where we lost a lot of people. And uh, so, yeah, no, uh, I don't have the opportunity yet. I, we're at now it's now I'm like, you know, last man standing and, uh, you know, I'm not last man, but I it's a skeleton crew and, and now we do everything. Now we're back to yeah. like, back to the drawing board with all, you have to do everything. Um, so we have an opportunity now. What's nice is that during the pandemic, we'd heard that the statistic was most people that had left their jobs or left their industries wanted to get into, um, health and wellness, mm -hmm. uh, some degree. So I think we're in a position now where we could certainly, uh, you know, not, not today, but probably in a few, few months start really hiring people again to, uh, to grow this thing. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's mentorship. It's making sure that you hire someone that has the right intention, uh, that, that believes in it theoretically, that drinks the Kool-Aid to some degree. 
um, mm-hmm. or understands the value of the Kool-Aid. They don't have to drink it, but they have to understand the value of it. <laughs> I guess. Right. Uh, so yeah, no, we're, we, again, the, the, the staff is thin at the moment. Well, that's good because, you know, going back to that article that I referenced, it's why hospitality is the best place to work, invest, and innovate. I've been saying that hospitality, like so many people left hospitality for all the reasons that you just said, right? The gathering places just got eviscerated. Um, However, we're so starved for good people that if you come in and you're passionate and a fit and you love it, the, 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 trajectory the career path trajectory is so steep right now yeah it's an amazing place to start especially if you can get hooked up under a great mentor i would i totally agree with that right your your ground it's not just us it's, it's a lot of folks you're on ground floor if you're in now if you get in the next year right it's like getting on the ground floor like no joke it's now you're going to be yeah i mean like you come in here you're gonna have you're gonna have 20 hotels to deal with, right? It's going to be the, you're going to have an, you're going to have a problem, but you're going to have a tremendous opportunity. Mm. Um, speaking on the health and wellness side as well, um, I was speaking with Sarah Clemson, who, yeah, good people. she's, she's at Hyatt and she's doing like all the Miraval stuff, but she said something that was really interesting to me. Like if you're going to go stay at a Miraval, right? It's health and wellness or, you I'm know, not, but go ahead. <laughs> oh no, but if, if you did, if you were going to, they yeah. kind of, on, they onboard you before your stay. Cause you mentioned what made me think of it is you said intention. Yeah. So they're like, what's your intention? What do you want to get out of this? And it's like, yeah. it's a weird mm-hmm. thing. It, it makes total sense to ask, but it's, it seems like strange to ask that to someone coming to a hotel, because if you know what their intention is, you can design everything else around it. It I guess we find that guests don't like that. They don't want to commit to a particular thing we, you know we have offerings right as right as a booking engine goes out we have once you book we we immediately say okay here are all the classes that are happening at property while you stay here would you like us to get you into a cycling class would you like us to get you group fitness class you know do can we help you schedule all that stuff ahead of time but we don't we try not to to the guests be like okay tell us all your preferences and when you get here we're going to hammer you with those preferences like we we try to be more like it's here for you if should you decide and we're here to help you engage in any of it but we don't want to like we try not to over market you right like the the mm-hmm. trick with our, our we have a very well-heeled crowd and they, they you know they're a little sick of being marketed to so we, we try to not do that um and not that what they're doing is marketing but uh you know I, we find that it's it's a it's a fine line to to over ask um, right. what your intention is yeah i i've never because they're not always good. The the intentions are not always good. (laughs) Right. Oh, right. Right. (laughs) Not always good. (laughs) Okay. I totally get that. But I think about like, if I've ever been on a retreat or something like I'm, it's a purposeful stay where I want to get something out of it. I want to journey inward, kind of learn about myself a bit more. And I set an intention for that. So I guess to think about staying at like a wellness, going on a wellness retreat if you will if it wasn't just the business travel it would be an interest like if you could dissect that it would be interesting to ask um and just see without being marketed to well we we, we want to think about the the activities as performance based right so if you have a baseline uh that you want to improve upon whether it's sleep or vo2 max or your mile or 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 whatever it is we can help you improve your your performance of a thing right as a, as a metric Mm. Uh, and, but, uh, yeah, we could do that for sure. Okay. So then when you talk about performance-based and metrics, another thing 
and we, this was from a couple of years ago when we were talking, where you got, when you're looking, you said something about looking at the programming of mm. let's say, let's just say like a health club, right? Yeah. And you know, by having a cafe here or this kind of a machine there, this kind of class here, you you guys have really gotten it down to a science of return on investment, return on Hell time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, how did you, were you just blown away when you came into that at Equinox and by virtue of, I guess it would be related, coming um, from Schrager? Yeah, I mean, look, and, uh, yeah, early on at W, we wanted, like, W was all about keeping people on property, right? It was about seeing everything that's going on. Uh, and like, we had the living room at W, and from the living room, you could see the bar, you could see the restaurant, you could see the elevator banks. You, it was a it was a hub of activity. And what we realized is that the people we wanted people to stay on property to go to the restaurants and the bars, and 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 that's great for the property owner, right? More, mm -hmm. more stay on property. <laughs> and so that sort of like visual cornucopia, if you will, of of uh, applied to how we lay out clubs, because what we find is that if you are scripting the, the the pathway of someone moving to the club and they're able to see someone taking a Pilates class or a Pilates lesson and they'd be like, I don't know what that is, but they walk by it or they walk by a training session or they walk by a group fitness studio where there's a class going on and they see it, they're much more likely to engage in that, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel sort of like uh, alien or unique to them. They're, they're more willing to try it. And so having, it's the same as the hotel property. It's like, how do you just visually uh, create this sort of landscape of opportunities, essentially? How do you, how do you create this, what we call it a visual cornucopia, right? It's like, it's a, I'm always able to look at something and see something else, another activity going on. And mm -hmm. so we're now blending, blurring those lines between the club, the hotel, an office lobby, uh, an F&B space, like how do you blur all of those lines? So you're kind of seamlessly walking from one experience to the next. Mm. Okay. And then, so, so as you're thinking about that and where you're plotting forward as you rebuild your teams and kind of get more deals happening in the pipe, what's exciting you most about the future? Uh, oh, well, I mean, I only got to do one hotel right here. So this is my, <laughs> I only got to do one, <laughs> right? We had a bunch of them. We had a whole ton of hotels we were working on. And so, um, you know, what's exciting is that uh, we, we finally, after many, many years of talking about it, have a proof of concept. And uh, that's, we haven't had that before. We, we talked about, it. we could talk a good game, but we couldn't, we couldn't prove it. Now that we're open and running and, and, and doing very well, it's, it's very easy to prove now. And so the argument about to a developer, wherever they are in the world, is, is much easier to make. And so uh, we're, it's, it's less of a fight. And it's more about how do you maintain quality? How do you maintain, uh, how do you continue to innovate on, on it? And I think because we're only able to do the, the small percentage of the stuff that we'd like to do, like sleep, I think we probably, again, I think we already did a third of what we could have done. Yeah. But, but there's, you know, we probably could have done a third of what we could have done on all of it. And mm -hmm. so what's exciting is the other two thirds that we've been talking about that we've, we've already either designed and we couldn't afford, uh, uh, how, how this works into a resort, how this works into a smaller format, how this works into a more luxurious format, how this, 
there's so many different ways that this 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 can uh, manifest that that's exciting and when we look at like an 80 room property in marbella or we look at a you know a high density thing in in japan it's it's all very exciting because it's a new philosophy Mm. it totally is um and i'm super excited and when you think about the pitch so you have developers there they've ha- they've acquired this land they want to build yeah. something there what is the value proposition to a developer like what kind of conversations do you have with them about like why equinox makes the most sense yeah what, sure. what, what, what what were the hooks that were like really getting them interested and excited well the, i mean the the first the first hook is certainly the brand right the first hook is saying to them there's a history of <clears throat> 30 years of 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 fitness and wellness excellence that has been bar none top of the industry, right? You can point to that. And what that means is that we have a existing member base and a member base that's no longer with us that knows, understands, and has spent money with the brand, right? So instead of having a marketing pool of, of, of you know, not like-minded yahoos, right, <laughs> in your marketing pool, you might have a ton of them, but there's no com- uh, com- communal thing between them. No commonality, right? So you don't really have a, a, a pool. You've got a database. Like we have a pool. We have a we have a, a pool of like-minded individuals that are all ob- fundamentally optimistic. You need to be optimistic to be in this. It's your tribe. It's your tribe. We generally have a tribe that we can talk to and point to, mm-hmm. and who trusts us to to give them product that they, they that they can rely on. So that's. Fantastic, right? We've got a baked in brand recognition. We don't have it in the hospitality space. We're trying to get in the hospitality space, but we, we have it out there. So those folks are generally well-heeled, generally early adopters of technology. They're generally, they're they're typically a 50-50 split male, female. They're the right, right money demographic. So they're, they're, they're the, you know, the creme de la creme of people you want to try to get in terms of your, your, your market base. So that's that's built in. What's tricky with developers is, is that we have 106 locations and and we don't want to cannibalize ourselves so that that makes it tricky from a real estate perspective right so if you, you can't just drop a hotel anywhere you need a hotel you got to be considerate of the existing facilities that are active and running and doing well so you can either buy air rights you can find shit next to them you can uh do it that way or you can be smart about new markets and you're developing a club and a hotel at the same time which is mm-hmm. ideal mm-hmm. right so that that makes it tricky what that that trickiness also is a tremendous advantage for a developer, right? So a developer, what a developer does is, is when they do, specifically mixed use to sort of spread the risk around. They want to have a refill podium, A, because the municipality wants them to activate the base, or B, they, they, they don't have another use for the ground floor, right? And so what we do as a brand, and we're one of the last big box tenants out there, right? Who's taking 35,000 per feet? Ooh, whole foods okay maybe whole okay. foods right there's only so many of those you can do trader and joe's then trader joe's sure grocery stores will do will do that size but then it quickly drops off right it used mm-hmm. to be that gap would take it right that is not happening anymore right <laughs> retailers don't want that. 30 000 35 000 per feet it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous thing to, to to try to take on as a retail tenant and so what, so as a developer, you're like, well, I got to build all this retail, and I don't know. I don't, and they so they slap an Apple logo on it. They're like, oh, Apple will take it. You're like, Apple doesn't want your your shitty thing. They're you know whatever. They got their own <laughs> they got their own things going on. And so there's the the, re, the, the developers are sitting on all this like empty retail. 
And so us coming in as an anchor tenant, not only does that take off a big honk of ground floor, it activates the ground floor, it puts footfall on the ground floor, and then it also entices other retailers to take the adjacent adjacent retailers. So all of a sudden, you know, now all of a sudden, when we did our our, our club in the marina in uh, in San Francisco on Union Street, you know, we opened the club a week later. Nike opened up a retail shop two doors down. Oh. Right? They knew oh, we the were halo. Okay. And the halo effect. And that's and so we argue with the developers that we are we are now a halo effect. And what that means is that you can uh, not only get all these retail tenants sorted out, but you can also talk about your project as a wellness project. You can talk about how your building is a community project. It's a wellness project. It's a it's a project about sustainability, right? Because ultimately, we don't turn over. You know, the you know we we take long term leases. We we we're, we're we we're invested in that location, uh, and so that that's a tremendous advantage for for developers. The hard part is we're also we're acoustically psychotic, and so being acoustically oh. psychotic means you got to be a smart about how you build your walls, smart about where you put your elevators. You got to be smart about your facade. You got to be smart about a lot of things, your mechanical systems. Uh, and that's expensive day one mm-hmm. and more a little bit more expensive to operate sometimes day two. Uh, and that's an ask. And that's that's mm-hmm. unique. Um, I want to go back in time to when you were playing on the Nike softball team. Yeah. Was that your first job out of college? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it was. I had an internship. I, so I got I got waitlisted at the GSD at Harvard. And I, I want to go to Harvard my whole life. And I, I got waitlisted and I was excited. I got waitlisted. They, I, it was MR2 for those listeners because MR2, they only accept about 15 people. And typically about one of them is an American, maybe two. Mm-hmm. So I was psyched to be waitlisted, but I really wanted to get in. And so I got into Columbia and I deferred Columbia. I should have gone to Columbia, but I didn't go. And so I waited, I had to wait the summer. I had to wait the summer to see if I got into the GSD. And so I had three months to burn and I had designed uh, footwear uh, in, in high school and in college to pay the bills. So I was, you know, on the side, I'd be doing work for Saucony and Converse just to pay the bills. And so when I, I, I was like, well, I'll just, I'll do footwear. I'll make some money and try to save up some money for Harvard. And, and uh, I, I applied to this internship at Nike and I got in and I got out there and they're like, are you going to design shoes? Are you going to design spaces? And I was like, I, okay, I didn't know the spaces was an option here. I thought I was just going to design shoes for three months and make some money. And so uh, I, I was a part of John Hoke's image team image design uh, and uh and that was my first real i was an intern you know all the intern stuff that goes with it uh and that was my first gig and uh after three months i gsd said no yeah you're not you know you're not going in here and so uh i was sad. you suck you suck right you suck. <laughs> and uh and then right yeah you're no good and so and then nike was like you just want to stay and i was like all mm-hmm. right it worked out and they're like and then and and at the end of the summer they're like you still have the choice you still, if you want to, you can still go be a footwear designer or you can go to this other thing, which was image design. And at the time, you got to understand that the, the footwear designers were like, you know, they're driving like vintage Ferraris and shit in the, in the parking lot. You're like, well, oh, do I want to be a rock star? But uh, I ended up picking the architecture route just because of my, my education. Totally. Well, as you were talking about playing softball on the on the t- on the team <laughs> with like a bunch of Mariners, right? There were former Mariners. Yeah, I. I once play. I, my brother, stepbrother, he asked me to play on his uh, dad's. It was like from Riverdale High School or whatever. Yeah. It was like a dad's softball team, and I was playing second base. And center field was Tiki Barber. Okay? <laughs> oh my god! 
so everyone else was just like a normal human but he was there oh my god and i just remember one time and i played baseball like i love baseball i'm moderately athletic um there was just like a little blooper hit kind of over me i could have def i was running back to get it i would have gotten it just right in the grass there or shallow grass i felt the ground like moving and Tiki Barber was playing like deep center and he, like I was sprinting to get it, but like in four, in like, I don't know, eight or 10 steps, he was right there. And I thought he was going to take me out. He caught it. And then in the same motion threw it at home. Cause someone was oh, holding up on, um, someone tagged up and was going to get there. And he, in one motion, it was so athletic. He threw it and nailed the guy at home. And oh, it was wow. just incredible. So going back to your experience, like it's you with all these crazy athletes playing yeah. softball. <clears throat> Let's say the Aaron of that I'm talking to right now, the Aaron of today, 2022, yeah. teleported back there and you spoke to your younger Aaron on oh, that wow. team. Yeah. What, advi what advice do you give yourself? It's okay. You lose this game. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, I would, I would say, um, uh, don't do anything traditionally. Don't, don't, don't take, don't, don't go down the road well-traveled. And I, and, and that I would say, you know, stay on this sort of path. And my path is very, very different than most of my colleagues' paths. Um, and I'm very grateful for it just because it's not the traditional path. Like I, you know, I could have just went and worked for Meyer's office or Peter Eisman's office, or I could have, I could have done, you know, you could have been a lackey for a famous architect for five, 10 years is what most people do. They go work and then, and then they're like, if they're lucky, they get enough clients, they steal them and they, they do their own firm. And, and then when they're, when they're 50 or 60, they start their own practice and they start doing good work. And I, for me, it was like, okay, that's going to take too long. I don't want to do that. I want to do something. I wanted to, I wanted to have an impact sooner and I wanted to have a larger impact rather than just project-based. And so a lot of times, you know, on Nike, you got to understand, as an architect, you're trained to be the um, the agency, right? You're trained to be the per, per person doing the work. At Nike, you're in-house and you are on the client side. And so all my buddies, they're all working for architecture firms and they're all just like, oh, they're spending other people's money. And Nike, you spend your own money. And so you have to be way closer to how the performer works. You have to be way closer to the project uh, numbers. And so that that was a whole mindset shift that was was good that was out of the norm that I was on in house on, on a client side thing which was really atypical, and then I went I left I went back to the agency side for a while and I worked for a couple of companies and then I would and then I went back and I I like the client side better because, you know I can tell the money what to do, yeah right and I can't do that on the on the client side it's too late you're too late. Mm -hmm. uh, at the, and the client's like, well, the, 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 sorry, on the agency side, you're too late. On the client side, you can define how you spend the money. You can go hire the talent. You can manage the talent. You can control a lot more that what happens in the world if you're, if you're on this side. So I would, I would say it's, it's my younger self. Stay on that side. Don't, don't try to go up the ivory tower and, and be a poet. It's you're, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be this happy. And you're going to affect this much. It's going to be great, but it's going to be this much. And, I, and for me, I always wanted to affect more. It was weird. It's, it's, it's actually from a footwear moment I had. I designed this sock and a shoe called the A4. The tongue was too big. It was didn't work. It was it was fine. It was okay. But I, I remember I was driving around Newport and I, I saw a dude running in one. I saw a dude running in a pair of my shoes. And I, I can't even tell you. I was like, 
my heart was racing. I was like, oh, this is my, this is my shoe. That's my, this is one of my shoe. And like, it was an incredible moment. And then when I remember when I rewrote my uh, application to GSD the second time, didn't get in a second time, by the way, I rewrote it. I talk about that moment about saying, yes, you design, your design is this, but it affects something much, much larger. And I always had that in my head that I, you know, I wanted to affect a larger, uh, I wanted design to impact a larger portion of what I would uh, be able to do otherwise if I was just like a, you know, designing in a shop somewhere. I love that. Huh. Stay on target. Stay on target. Stay on target. Yeah. The long, I, I, stay on target. You pulled it up. Stay on yeah, target. We, stay on stay target. target. Stay yeah, on we target. Gotta, you know, you got you got good by practicing uh, target practice on with your T16 on Womp Rats yeah. and Tatooine, right? That's right. That's right. <clears throat> no bigger we had than to whatever. Get, yeah, we had to get the Star Wars reference in. The data um, um so as far as your restoration and your you know obviously your routines i've heard you say routines a lot and like what is your morning routine like on a typical morning do you have a routine three kids you kidding me i'm like i'm like eyeballs and fruit loops um uh yeah i used i mean i don't know my my morning routine is when my wife wakes up typically before i do uh bless her heart and she uh she's up doing stuff she usually tries to get a run in the morning before we even wake up uh, my routine is, is terrible right now. It's not not good. It, it's um it's out of balance. I you know I I I had a, an amazing routine during COVID. I had a uh, a very healthy COVID oddly enough, or health very healthy pandemic that I I, I took to running quite a bit during uh, during the pandemic, and uh, that routine was fantastic. And you know if if you can take uh, you know an hour at two in the afternoon and go for a run, uh, it's epic. It's it's it's, it's magical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I've, I've fallen off that now, what I do now, you know, when I'm between injuries, I go downstairs and I've got an incredible trainer, uh, at Hudson Yards and he is, uh, he's opened my eyes to a bunch of stuff in terms of my movement and my, my physicality, you know, you know, you, know, you get old and crusty, shit just starts falling apart. And, and a lot of it's just maintenance and recovery and, and making sure that you can continue to the movement and you don't have to throw as much weight around, but you, you want to stay limber and, and, and active and, I definitely do that. Um, I've got a, uh, I got a, a hardtail, carbon hardtail that I throw around oh. Piermont every now and then, which is fun. I'm threatening my, I'm the Piermont guys are threatening me with a road bike. So I should probably take that up at some point. I'm, I'm leaning into all the old man sports. I'm like, you know, paddle boarding and like, mm. you know, that's, I feel like impact. kayaking, backpacking, mm. right. Those are my, those are going to be my sports going forward. I used to run so much more. And um, this Memorial Day, it was my wife who never ran a race, my son and myself. We, there was a 5K in town. Nice. And uh, my time, my goal was to just finish and not yeah. injure myself. There you go. Um, I didn't get the time I wanted, but it was so funny. My son, who'd never run a race before, he like came in second in his age group and 30 wow. overall. Wow. Um, my wife, it? he's 12, 12. Epic my wife she'd never done a race and i was talking to some other dads like as we were running and she kind of pulled up ahead of me and i was still talking i was like you know what i'm gonna try and beat her and uh so i in the last i don't know half mile three quarters of a mile i caught up i was right on her wing and then i was like you know what i'm not gonna beat her i'm gonna finish with her so within 100 yards i pulled up she had ears or earbuds in yeah and she looked at me and we we're like smiling and running and then like 10 feet from the end, she just took off and yeah. <laughs> fucking beat me. 
<laughs> you deserved it on so many levels though you were like damn you yeah. alexa ryan yeah yeah it was super fun yeah well my 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 i i had injured my back so i didn't participate but my, my 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 family my wife and my oldest they did a 5k together and um you know yeah I, I woke him up i was all my idea right so i woke him up i'm like it's 5k get up get up and i, and I made him run this 5k and they were bitching the whole way, with the bibs on, they're angry and they do it and they're done with it. And then they couldn't be more proud. Like it was like, oh, look what we did. I'm like, you didn't you fucking, you would have been asleep right now if I didn't kick your ass out of bed. But now they, now they want to do them. Now they're kind of into them. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. I, running for me has been sacred. I, I can't do it as much as I, I, I like to anymore. Uh, so it's going to be cycling and it's going to be uh, hiking and that kind of shit. Um. It's also good in that I reentered. I did my first race in years, right? And whatever, it's a 5K. It wasn't the time I wanted. But the thing I love about running, and it goes back to your kind of taking your own path. Yeah. It's all about it's all about me or you or whoever's yeah. doing it. Now yeah. I have a time, and yeah. now I can metric. I can run and improve that based on whatever I want. Like running is sacred, and I miss it a lot. So I it's good to get back into it. Now I just don't want to get injured. Yeah, no, yeah. And I, I what's interesting is my summers as a, as a teenager, I was a uh, Boy Scout and uh, I taught at this thing called Lone Tree Scout Reservation up in uh, New Hampshire. And I taught uh, riflery and archery. And mm -hmm. I was with this British SAS guy who was my mentor there. Uh, and I learned a lot about riflery and whatever, but you know, the, the riflery in and of itself wasn't, it was interesting, but it wasn't what was interesting to me. It was most interesting was both of those sports require body control, require mm. breath control, require breath. require breath, require mental focus, require you to control your body. Mm -hmm. And it was my first way to say, oh, if I looked inward, I can improve. And mm -hmm. running is the same way. Running is like, it's a battle with yourself, right? All the time. It's a battle with, is my form right? Am I, is my mental head, am I, am I in the right head space? Is my, am I picking my knees up? Am I you know, uh, you know, my, are my hands loose or my shoulders back and my chest, you know, all the, the, the technical aspects of it to make you a better runner. You can focus on those things and, 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 and have a better run for sure. Totally. Well, now you've inspired me to put on my shoes this afternoon, yeah, and go for get a run, some. even though get some. Normal, normally I'm a war uh, morning runner. Um, so <laughs> Aaron, if people wanted to reach out or learn more about what you got going on, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, don't 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 ever contact me. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't please don't fucking don't call me for sure. And don't I, mean, I get a lot of like nonsense emails about, and I appreciate it. People are vendors and they want to sell shit. I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I mean, LinkedIn's the best way to do it. If if someone wants to say something or reach out, is the best way. Uh, I don't you know I don't carry business cards anymore. It's like that's kind of over. Um, and so LinkedIn is my network. It used to be, I, you know, on Instagram, but I don't, I don't, you know, I don't love it anymore. I, okay. uh, I kind of resent it. So, um, yeah, it's, it, LinkedIn's the best. Great. And then, um, should, uh, as you guys are rebuilding and hiring again, I guess it would be like careers.equinex.com or something like that. They can find things there. Yeah. Well, we definitely post there. Um, I'm not, I don't really post much. I, I, mm -hmm. you know, once I have a role that I want to fill, I, I, I have a pretty, a pretty good bench I could pull from if I need to. Uh, but again, I'm always looking for talent. I'm always looking for people out there that are, are, are hungry and innovative and, and doing good things. I'm a, I'm a, a very, very tough critic. So 
if you show me your portfolio, be prepared to tell me that, that I'll tell you that it sucks. And, I, and I'm going to tell you how it can be better. I'm not just going to say it sucks and kick you out. I'm going to tell you how it can be better. And so, um, I, you know, I, but I'm going to be honest. I'm very, very brutal when it comes to, when it comes to design. Great. Well, and, uh, I think you've learned from some of the best. So I want to say, thank you so much for your time. This has been freaking awesome. Oh, I no, I love it. Dan. I always so love much. talking to you. I appreciate it. It's awesome. Um, and then also, I just want to thank our guests. This keeps growing and growing and growing. So if this changed the way that you think about design or hospitality or wellness, please pass it along. It's all word of mouth. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time.